0: Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of European radio stations. This week, we have asked our members to turn their sights on a post-COVID world and consider what this might look like. The general consensus is that Europe is beginning to descend from the crest of the Omicron wave, which, though aggressive, has proved less lethal than previous waves. But what will our new normal look like? In Spain, the Council of Ministers removed the requirement to wear masks outdoors as long as social distancing is possible on Thursday the 10th of February. Capacity limits at mass sporting events have also been raised, reports Es Radio. This said, Spanish Health Minister Carolina Darias underlined that we are unlikely to return to a mask-free pre-COVID existence anytime soon.
1: Que las mascarillas han llegado
0: Masks are here to stay as long as we
1: have the flu and other arts and viruses. We should be clear that masks will be with us for a while, but Spain is one of the first countries to have made possible the regulation with which, on the street, outdoors, at a distance of one and a half meters, we did not wear a mask. But we also know the importance, due to aerosol transmission, of continuing to wear the mask indoors. In addition, there is a law
0: that regulates
1: it. Asked
0: about the prospect of Portugal relaxing its restrictions, sociologist Tiago Correa considers that there is a critical difference between countries such as the UK and Denmark, where hospital admissions are at manageable levels, and Portugal, which is still experiencing high numbers of deaths. Correia was speaking to Radio Renascença's partner
1: broadcaster, SIC. It is hard to understand how a country such as ours can talk about easing measures when its Covid-specific mortality is more than twice the European average and more than twice that of those countries that are lightening their measures. So the first step is to clarify, once and for all, the accuracy of these indicators, which is out of step with other countries with a similar high vaccination rate. Secondly, it is important to reflect on whether these deaths, which come in at more than twice the European average are inevitable or not. In other words, if we need to pay a price to ease restrictions accepting that 40 to 50 people unfortunately have to die of Covid so that we can resume some normality. Europe's
0: high vaccination rates are one factor helping many governments to shift their gaze towards a post-Covid future. In other words, a future in which we coexist with the virus. Indeed, with weariness, depression and frustration rife among the population, it is important to find our way towards some kind of so-called normality. Is compulsory vaccination part of the answer? Well, Austria thinks so. Last Saturday, Vienna introduced a vaccine mandate, the first of its kind in Europe, making it compulsory for all adults to be vaccinated or face a heavy fine. The debate is still ongoing in other member states, including Luxembourg, says Radio 100,7. The debate is still ongoing in other member states, including Luxembourg, says Radio 100,7. The Luxembourgish government has recently made a U-turn, beginning work on a vaccine mandate of its own. Experts have advised the powers that be that this law should apply to anyone over the age of 50, as well as to people such as healthcare professionals who are in direct contact with the most vulnerable. An ethics body has disputed this, though, instead backing a one-size-fits-all policy. The subject remains contentious, and on Wednesday, Prime Minister Xavier Battelle told Public Broadcaster 100,7 that it may not be necessary to introduce mandatory vaccination after all. But he stressed that it was important to have the new law ready to go, just in case
1: very often the issue of Omicron is mixed up with that of a mandatory vaccination. In fact, the two things are not related. If we introduce compulsory vaccination, this is above all to be safe next autumn. I have to admit that I have myself thought more than once that we were on the home straight, and it has been a long run. Only to find that time and time again we are surprised. The law is about ensuring that we do not find ourselves in the same situation this coming autumn that we have had to face the last two years.
0: Pedro Caeiro a journalist at Euronet Plus member station Radio Renascença, explains the situation in Portugal.
1: In Portugal, there are no plans to make vaccination mandatory, because the Portuguese have shown enormous support for the vaccination process. Almost 90% of the population voluntarily accepted two doses of the vaccine and almost half have already had a booster shot. Experts expect COVID to become a seasonal disease with an annual dose of the vaccine, similar to what happens with the flu.
0: Speaking to Rai News 24, Italian virologist Fabrizio Preliasco expressed similar views about offering the COVID vaccine as a routine shot. His comments were shared by Radio
1: 24. What we need to do is to protect ourselves from the virus before next winter by targeting vaccination at all those of any age who are more fragile, more at risk, a little like the flu vaccination.
0: Yet the prospects of any kind of post-COVID normality are bleaker in countries where people have proved less keen to get the jab. Take Bulgaria, for instance, which has the lowest vaccination rate in the EU and whose politicians do not necessarily lead by example. As Bulgarian National Radio reports, mass protests against the Green Certificate, or COVID pass, have been pounced on by the country's Nationalist Revival Party whose members are personally boycotting the requirement to show the certificate before entering the National Assembly. Revival leader Kostadin Kostadinov took a stand the very day this rule came into effect at the end of January.
1: I showed the document issued to me by Bulgarian voters, namely my mission as an MP. The Green Certificate violates the rights of millions of Bulgarians and I do not want to be any different from them. I call on them, like us MPs, to boycott these unconstitutional decisions that seed discrimination and division in society.
0: In such a context, it is hard to imagine any politician being prepared to stake their political future on compulsory vaccination. Yet many Bulgarian politicians still argue for reason. MP and pulmonologist Alexander Simidchev is one such. As vice chair of the Bulgarian National Assembly's Health Committee, Simidchev laments that the country's low COVID 19 vaccination rate and correspondingly high death rate are a direct result of swirling misinformation and a lack of trust in both science and the political institutions.
1: Much of what is happening is the result of human behavior, including the fact that we are so divided on medical issues that have a clear scientific solution, because some people do not accept basic scientific facts. For example, they might decide that there is no gravity and that they want to be able to walk a few inches above the ground. There are just medical facts that are what they are. The virus does not ask whether we believe in it or not. It infects, it puts people in hospital, it kills.
0: A survey conducted at the end of last summer shows that half of Lithuanians would not support compulsory vaccination either, says Žinjur Radias. And the country's parliament voted against the government's proposal of compulsory vaccination for doctors and social workers in January. Minister of Health Arunas Dulkis acknowledges that there is currently a lack of political will, but he does not rule out the possibility of returning to this issue.
1: It is important for us to keep an eye on the situation in intensive care. We have said that if we have about 240 patients in intensive care, the healthcare care system, with all of its other services, will have essentially hit its limit. But the behavior of Omicron, the fact that it is highly contagious among both the sick and the vaccinated, makes it especially important to monitor the situation in the organizations providing essential services. It is not just about having enough professionals in the healthcare system, but in other institutions as well. We need to make sure there are enough people at work in the most important functions of the state. So, I would single out two key elements to keep an eye on, the situation in hospitals, and especially in intensive care units, and morbidity, among those working in the most important public functions. Future decisions should be based on this information. Join us next
0: week for another look at current affairs from a Euronet Plus perspective.